time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Luckily, dependable Dave Filoni and crew create Rebels with new characters, new places, and new adventures, thus keeping hope alive for this podcast. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of Star Wars Rebels. In this episode... Now inside the Jedi Temple portal, Ezra finds himself in a place like no other, like a world between worlds. There will be the return of Ahsoka. Ezra is really confused for most of the episode, and we touch base with the entire franchise. As I said, we're talking about World Between Worlds this week. How you doing, Chris? Good. That's good. How's your how's your week? How's your weekend? That's it's been pretty good, uh it's it's getting hot again around here. Nature action is is at a high point in our neighborhood. We're in a heat wave. It was like 95 for like five days, and it still is, and it sucks. I hate it. I hate summer. Summer's the worst. <laughs> you you want to hear my, my, my story for this week? Yeah, what's your story Na- for this week? Nature gone haywire. So mm. I was out waiting to get a ride to work, and I hear like birds shrieking. Almost like angry seagulls. I don't know how many seagulls you guys have down in Georgia. We have like mountain gulls, like river but gulls. It sounded like sounded like some seagulls going at it, which is weird because there's not usually seagulls around here, but there could be. That you know, we got a little reservoir nearby, and so I look down the street and I see like, all right, I can hear them and I can sort of see them. They're having a little drama. And then I hear one flying over the neighborhood and coming up over my driveway. So I'm like, oh, let, let me go up the driveway, see what's going on. I look up and I'm like, there he is. And I'm like, oh, that's not a seagull. That's a hawk. And then I'm like, wait, that's not a hawk. That's a falcon. And it's just like flying across the sky, like shrieking at the top of its lungs. And then all of a sudden, and it's like a young one. So it's like all sort of tan color. Mm-hmm. And uh, then all of a sudden, another one exactly like it comes barreling out of the sky like a rocket with its wings tucked in, hits the other one, knocks him out of the sky into our pine tree, and they start fighting in the pine tree. Then three others come flying in, all of them shrieking and fighting in our pine tree. I'm screaming for my roommate, get out here, because I know she's got a phone to, to get video of this so that somebody would believe me. And all week I've been hearing those. Uh, it seems like there's might be like a, a, a territory a dispute. No, I think it's a brood of young falcons, like a family of young falcons. They were all exactly the same size and the exact same color. And they, they were young sized. And uh, I have a feeling that they're playing. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're just like they're just like basically like being the terror teens of the neighborhood right now huh. i keep hearing them and i'm running outside hoping i'll get another glimpse of them in action that's crazy 
I've never heard of Falcons doing that. No, me neither. Holy I mean, cow. we have Falcons around here. We, we famously have some Falcons that nest in Kodak. But uh, I think these guys are from the park near, near our house. But, oh, boy. Holy cow. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah. Hoping for Loth Wolves next. Oh, my God. Speaking of Loth Wolves, I have a lot of notes on this, so we might want to get into this episode. All right, all right. Yeah, okay. All right. Sorry about the Wild Kingdom. No, no, that's awesome. (laughs) We'll get into our own Wild Kingdom here. Yeah. So what would you think of A World Between Worlds? I love this episode. I'll just say that right now. Yeah. So far, I think this is my favorite episode of this season. This, this to me, is probably the best-made episode of Rebels. Is it my personal favorite? No, my personal favorite is still Twilight of the Apprentice, but this is like Twilight Part 2. <laughs> See, I but, don't know if this is the best-made, like, but it has the stuff in it is the stuff I love. It, it just contains so, the stuff. I'm not saying it's poorly made. It's not at all. But it's just full of the ooey gooey, rich and creamy goodness that I like. Cover it up. And it's, it's not up. the general Star Wars good stuff. It's the good stuff that sort of evolved in the Filoni verse. This is like this. This is like the stuff that that Filoni and George Lucas cooked up in Clone Wars, coming to a peak. Yeah. All right. Well, you ready to get into it? I am. <clears throat> A World Between Worlds is the 72nd episode of Star Wars Rebels, and it was released on February 26, 2018. It was written by Dave Filoni and directed by Dave Filoni and Stuart Lee. Some extra information for you. Apparently, guys, according to the Rise of Skywalker Visual Dictionary, of all things, other confirmed canon names for The World Between Worlds is the Virgin Scatter and the nether and the nether world of the unbeing. What the fuck is a virgin scatter? <laughs> yeah, I don't like either. Both of those are I like I like world between worlds way better than either of those. It's just trust keeps just ruining things. <laughs> they, they, yeah, they, it sounds like those sound like something come up with by an eleven-year-old nerd. Yeah, who was trying to like make a really cool D&D world or something. Yes. The netherworld of unbeing. Especially once you realize why the world between worlds is called the world between worlds, which we'll get to in one point. Give me one second. This is a continuation note from last week. Originally, last week in this week's episodes was supposed to be one episode until they realized it was too big. We talked about this last week. The original episode was called Past, Present, and Future. When they first split them, last week was going to be called Past Present, Past Present, and this was going to be called Future. But they later renamed them to be Wolves in a Door, and this, of course, is a world between worlds. This is why Trust Visionary Visual Dictionary is stupid. In 2019, Filoni confirmed that the concept for the world between worlds had been inspired by the wood between the worlds in C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia. Oh, I never thought of that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, which makes it sound cooler, like, knowing that that's why 
It's called The World Between Worlds, which I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Fuck your, what what was it, Virgin Scatter and your Virgin netherworld. Scatter. Your netherworld of unbeing. What the fuck even is that? <laughs> oh. Ugh. So dumb. Yoda's anyway. got nether regions of unbeing. <laughs> this episode was teased way back in the season two opener, The Siege of Lothal. Because my baby girl, Minister Tua, said that the Emperor had a special interest on Lothal. This is the secret that she was going to tell the rebels about if they had rescued her. But of course, she was killed by Vader and Callus. This is actually the third appearance of The World Between Worlds. Ezra has accessed it two previous times. The first was in the episode, Path of the Jedi, when he received his kyber crystal for his lightsaber. The second was when he spoke to Yoda in the episode Shroud of Darkness. The characters heard in The World Between Worlds is as followed. Alex Guinness, Stephen Stanton, and James Arnold Taylor's versions of Obi-Wan, Hayden Christensen and Matt Lantern's versions of Anakin Skywalker, Yoda, Qui-Gon Jinn, Maz Kanata, Chirrut Emaway, Jen Erso, Kylo Ren, Poe Dameron, Leia Organa, Kanan Jarrus, Darth Vader, and the father, son, and daughter from the Mortis arc can all be heard in the background. This I don't episode, know if Poe po Dameron is, fits in there. He's the one that says something like, it's, it's the scene that he was being tortured by... Actually, I have a note about this. Where's Luke? That's one of my main notes is, why isn't Luke in this list? Of all yeah. people. Like, he yeah. should be there. But more, so I, than, uh, more so than... Well, Chirrut did... did uh, I'm the Force and the Force is with me. Play a, yeah, he played an important role. And we're still seeing that like Echo, because that just came up recently in Clone Wars. But Paul's um, like a lesser Han Solo level of... I wouldn't expect his voice to be echoing around in there. But whatever, he's in <laughs> part of the franchise at this point. So Yeah. And it's the scene that he's being tortured by Kylo Ren from Force Awakens, and it's his line. It's it's something like like we'll you'll ne- we'll you'll never beat us or something. It's it's that line. It's yeah. it's a weird, not even a like a powerful like we are the resistance line. Right. It's just like oh you'll never beat us. <laughs> I almost sent you a video. There's a like Star Wars explained it a video where. It had the clip of Ezra walking through, but then they would have images of who was speaking and when just, like, fade up and fade down and fade up and fade down. So, like, that way you knew who spoke when and where. And there were some in there I missed. Like, I had always missed the Vader coming out, with, like, talking when when he pulls Ahsoka out. And I was like, how did I miss Vader? <laughs> like, I missed my black metal daddy in that scene. So, anyway. This episode shows Vader's point of view at the end of Twilight Twilight of the Apprentice. He assumed that Ahsoka died in the explosion because he could not find any trace of her for a time after the blast. So he left, and Ahsoka emerged from the world between worlds after he had left Malachor. And in Rebels Recon for this episode, Dave Filoni flat out said he loved hearing Ian McDermott Say the names Ahsoka Tano and Ezra Bridger in the voice of the Emperor, and he had a little fanboy moment when they were recording. They talked about how the world between worlds as a place is a place where people can go and access any point in space and time. Time is not a concrete thing here. This idea was created by Filoni, and he went and got the okay from George Lucas to do it. 
they wanted to show every time they went back to the temple, it was a little bit different. They wanted to be similar to the they wanted it to be a similar spirit to the Dark Side Cave on Dagobah. Dave really wanted a way to tie all Star Wars together, which is why there are voices from all areas of Star Wars, movies, and animations that was time. Probably the reason Solo wasn't included was because it was still in earlier early development when these episodes were being made. Same thing with, with Star Wars Resistance, which wasn't even being made at the time. He wanted to show that Star Wars was a, con- was a connected thing. He firmly believes that Star Wars has a grandeur to it, that the Force has infinite space to it. And he also confirmed that Yoda knows about the world between worlds, which is how he talks to Ezra in season two. Producer Carrie Beck also says that this was always Dave's intention to bring Ahsoka back in this manner. She says Dave put so much thought into Ahsoka's fight with Vader, and he always knew the destiny of that character. It was also important to have Ahsoka there to help sway Ezra Ezra away from Palpatine's temptations, and to help teach him the lesson of letting go of his master, just as she has to let go of Anakin. They said it was a powerful moment because uh, for Ezra because he he's pretty much losing a third parent with Kanan. He has all the power to bring him back, but it, he would sacrifice everything that Kanan did in that single moment. I don't have a hey Yoda. I don't have a segue. What's up, Yoda? <laughs> Sorry. Usually I have a segue, and I was just like, I don't have anything to segue from. How you doing? Okay. Having a good week, Yoda? Yeah, yeah, so-so. You know, you're having, like, teenagers and ladies coming up to your door in the world between worlds and saying hi and knocking on the door? Oh, yeah, 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 right, yeah, lots of girls at Yoda's door, sure. Mm, all the time. <laughs> mm. Too many, too many, Have some have to go away. Mm. Just... You know, you need a little downtime for yourself and stuff. Yes, downtime. <laughs> mm. Well, I have a question for you, Yoda. Oh, a question for Yoda. Yeah. So, we know that you know about the world between worlds. What's it like in there, or have you oh. ever been? Oh, Yoda's v- vacation. Many things can be seen in the world between worlds. Yes. Like what? Um, many things can be seen. (laughs) Things in all times and all places that Yoda would want to see. Yes. Are you using one of the greatest powers in the galaxy to look in on girls? Um, maybe Yoda wouldn't put it that way exactly. No. Oh my god, maybe it was better that Palpatine got it. <laughs> Sometimes Palpatine's there too. Mm. Uh, uh, bleh, bleh, bleh. Oh, I just gagged. Oh god. Bleh. Wow, should we be reporting that or something? (laughs) I don't know. You know, if voyeurism is your kink, just make sure everybody is consenting. Everybody needs to consent to kinks before you do it, or that's how that's how I'm I'm seeing like Mala like putting on her putting on her sexy lingerie or whatever Wookies do at night to get ready to go to bed, and just hears like. 
<laughs> like coming up from the corner of the room, you know, where he's just got a little portal peeked open. It's like you could go back in time and fix anything in the galaxy. No, I'm just gonna look at girls' sex. Yeah. I mean, that's mood. That's Yoda. Absolutely. All right. <clears throat> you ready again to this? I am. Act one. Last week. Ezra jumped through a portal at the Jedi Lothal Temple. We opened with the words from all over the franchise. Yoda's there, Qui-Gon Jinn, and others talk about how bitchin' the Force is. Alec Guinness Obi-Wan chimes in with some stuff. Ahsoka and Kanan's voices pipe up about learning how to let go. And Ezra falls through the portal and stands up to see that he's trapped inside of a Force snow globe called the World Between Worlds. And then Alec Guinness says some shit about the Force. Roll to the title credits, guys! Back in the real world, Sabine is brought to Minister Hayden's office by some death troopers. And Hayden looks at her files and goes, Ah, Miss Wren, it's nice to meet you. Blue Husbando has not shut up about your artwork, and he's totally a fanboy of your stuff. Hayden really wants to know about how Ezra and Sabine figured out how to get inside the Jedi Temple in like five minutes when he's been using resources and as many art degrees and Palpatine's money for a long time now. And Sabine's like, because I'm smarter than you. And she puts on her sunglasses like a badass. But Hayden is not impressed. He's like, look here, you little shaver. Palpatine knows that Ezra's in the temple. And also, Kanan is dead. You need to feel sad about Kanan being dead. And this strikes a nerve with Sabine, who points out that, with all the Emperor's might and resources, neither Hayden nor Palpatine could open the door to the other world. Hayden explains that Ezra is not safe, as Palpatine is now looking for him. And he says that Ezra is stuck on a pathway between time and space. You know, a world between worlds. He puts, on a bun he puts up a bunch of artwork and says that Sabine can help Ezra if they can figure out the artwork to the temple. And Sabine is like, you put a bunch of artwork in front of me? How dare you threaten me with a good time? And Hayden finishes his pitch with, he who controls the world between worlds controls the universe. And Sabine actually has a look on her face that says, Oh, fuck. You mean Ezra, of all people, is now in control of the entire universe? Oh, God. And outside, Hera, Zeb, and Chopper are still staking out the area, trying to figure out where the space kids are. Back with Ezra, apparently now the controller of the universe, he's walking along the path, listening to voices. He recognizes Yoda and Obi-Wan, or maybe he's just connected to them before the Force, so he's reaching out to them, it's not very clear. But he doesn't know all the voices. And then he hears an owl hoot, and he runs over. Sitting on top of a portal door, we hear Anakin, and Anakin's all like, Snips, you're gonna be a great Padawan, and I love you, and you're gonna be make the best Padawan. She's like, okay! Anakin, <laughs> sitting on top of that door, is Morai, aka the daughter from the Mortis Arc, as a bird. And Ezra's like, a bird! I know you, bird! You're Ahsoka's bird! What are you gonna- what's going on here, bird? I'm kind of freaking out, bird. I just like saying bird. Bird! <laughs> bird! Bird! 
Or it's a fun word to say. Don't joke. Don't don't judge me. Desert's like, oh, well, my God, not, Have you heard, Hope? I, will everybody I don't you dare. The bed. <laughs> it's playing right now, isn't it? <laughs> it's playing right now, isn't it? Yes, it is. Okay. Well, as long as I don't have to hear it. <laughs> bird! Um, Ezra's like, oh my god, a bird! And Morai is like, hey, I need you to watch this Force YouTube clip for me. And Morai starts the Force YouTube clip. And it's Ahsoka versus Vader in the battle from the episode Twilight of the Apprentice. And Ezra's like, oh my god, I hate this YouTube channel. Why are you showing me this? And Morai starts freaking out, going, do something! And Ezra's like, I literally have no idea what's going on here or what I do. Where am I? So Ezra does the most logical thing. Ezra panics, grabs Ahsoka through the portal, and rips her outside of time and space. You know, like a logical person. <laughs> and now she is with him. As Vader, inside the portal, falls through the floor of the battle, and uh, Ezra Berger has officially saved Ahsoka Tano from death. What'd you think of Act 1? It's pretty you know, weird. So, this is such a like a good example. Like This this episode's actually broken up pretty evenly into seven-minute chunks, but there's so much in those seven minutes. Yeah, they seem really long. They, they, each section seemed really long, and I was like, wow, they packed a lot into this. Although, not a lot really happens mm -hmm. but uh, it's it's weird it's weird not a lot of action happens but a lot happens it's it's I, I love this episode i love that yoda opens the whole thing off the first thing you hear is yoda yeah um my other small note small notes where i like the look of the the wolves they look like you know those old kinescopes that you would spin with the animation on them Oh, those things, were... yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh and and then I re and then I remembered I'm like, oh yeah, the first time I saw this, I'm like, oh, this is how they're gonna bring Kanan back. As soon as they brought Ahsoka back, I'm like, oh, okay, this is how this is how they could save Kanan. Mm -hmm. Um that like just pay attention to the world between worlds this time it's a really weird visual look for star wars it's not very it's not traditionally star wars looking it's like like the whole place looks very artificial like a computer interface or something so like symbolic but it's very like like, if I would have designed it to be Star Wars-y, like, all those lines that denoted everything would have been, like, kind of misty, you know, and, and, but it looks like you're inside, it looks like Tron or something, it looks like you're inside a computer, it's very, you know, clean, it's clean white lines, it, it seems, um, it seems almost like mathematically design designed it's very strange i like it so, but it's just a very strange unusual look for star wars and that's why i like all this stuff it's like i i knew wrinkle it... oh go ahead it's like the, the all this mystical stuff is the like new wrinkle that i associate with the filoni verse you know so 
I didn't put it into the background notes, but they actually talked about designing the world between worlds in the Rebels Recon. And it's actually a few folds. So the actual pathways themselves, they designed it like a snow globe. So everything is rounded for a reason because they wanted it to have this snow globe effect. And then the stars and the images and the constellations are all fixed images that they painted on the background. So as they're moving the camera around in the snow globe, the like when the camera pans around, the constellations will always be in the same places. So mm-hmm. the snow globe itself is the moving part while the background is the stationary part. But they wanted to have like, uh, I forgot who it was, but it was one of the art directors. He said they wanted to have this look of if they hung a bunch of LED lights in an office and then turned off all the lights. So all you had was these points of light hanging around an office and you were just moving through the office. So you're the motion, the part that's in motion, but they're all stationary and they wanted it to have that effect. Yeah, it sort of did. Yeah. And I like that. I thought that was cool how they like designed pretty much a snow globe of pathways and then everything else was stationary. So like the sky looked like it was moving, but it was really just the audience moving through the snow globe. Right, I, I right. liked it's that. It's the perspective changing. Yeah. But that's all I really had. I have so many notes. <laughs> so my first one was, I never noticed this before, but when I was going through like the cast list and like who was talking when and stuff like that, it struck me as really weird that of all people, we don't hear Luke's voice when he's the chosen one and the one who fixes the force and brings balance to the force. And that was a weird choice to me of why isn't Luke of all people in the world? Like, why don't we hear him in the world between worlds? And I don't have an answer for this question. No, I can't really think of. I, I was like, well, you know, I mean, they were doing the they were working on the sequel trilogy. So Mark Hamill was involved. Not that they even needed Mark Hamill. They could have used old lines from Luke or whatever, which are now owned by Disney also. Yeah. So there's no legal. It wasn't a legal reason, and there's no real like. There's no no real like spoiler reason they would use it that that it would affect any of the new movies coming out. So I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, because I. It's like the most obvious choice. <laughs> one of the most obvious voices you would think you would hear. And because the other one that sticks out to me, only because it sticks out only because Ezra has met her. But we hear that, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope from Leia. And he's he's met Leia. And so Ezra calls out to Yoda and Obi-Wan, two people he's met. But he doesn't seem to either hear or recognize Leia's voice when he's met her. Um, So there's, I I almost would have liked him to like, to pause when he heard, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and him just stop and go, Leia? And then just keep moving. Yeah, but, but of all the of all like he met her only for a small amount of time and they've had a lot of adventures. He only met Obi Wan for like thirty like ten minutes. Obi Wan's he collapses, he wakes up and talks to Obi Wan yeah, for ten but, minutes and then leaves. But Obi Wan is yeah, but Obi Wan is like meeting he's Obi Wan's like meeting a legend. He knew who Obi Wan was before you know, Obi Wan's reputation preceded him. And, you know, he was just a legendary Jedi. So so that might have made more of an impression. Plus, her Help Me Obi-Wan Kenobi is also coming through R2. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. And 
Ezra was a little freaked out at the time too, so you know. <laughs> Hope we got a girl. Yeah, there's. There was but a, I don't know. Uh, it's just it was very odd to not have a Luke because looking back at the character list that's in this, so many of these people make sense. It makes sense that we have Obi Wan's there. Um, Darth Vader's there, as well as Anakin Skywalker. We hear Kanan, uh, Ahsoka, Yoda, Qui-Gon. Um, there's a few of these, like, Maz Kanata and Chirrut and Jen and Kylo. Those are just people there to tie it in. But it just felt so strange. Of all the people in the entire franchise, yeah. Luke Skywalker was not in this list. Have Poe, but not Luke. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. So, Yeah. So I, this was also the first time that I kind of really started paying attention to, like, what quotes are being said when. So in the opening sequence, when Ezra first comes through the portal, we, of course, get all the Force quotes like, oh, the Force binds everything and luminous beings we are and stuff. But there's two other quotes, and it's Ahsoka and, and Kanan both talking. And they're both talking about letting go. And that about how they need to let go of certain things or let go of people or, or situations. And I thought that was interesting because the whole point of this episode is Ezra learning to let go of Kanan so he doesn't fall for Palpatine's tricks. And I liked that because in this opening scene, that's like, hey, this is the lesson of the episode, but it's so fun and mystical, you might not get it on the first chance. <laughs> But it was very subtle, but that was the first time I went, oh, that's a lesson. And now we're going to watch 22 Minutes of Life. Cool. Um, so let's talk about the world. Uh, what was your first reaction to this world versus how do you feel about it now? I, 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 at, first, at first, I did not like it. But for reasons we'll go into in Act 2 and 3 then I did like it. <laughs> but at first I was like, eh, this is kind of weird and cheesy and, uh, but now I love it. Yeah. But I wasn't a big fan at the beginning of the episode. The first time I saw it by the end of the episode, I was sold on it though. Yeah. Like my, my first reaction to watching this episode for the first time, well, other than, you know, so coming back and I was like, Oh my God. But um, the actual world between worlds, I was just kind of confused, but I, I thought it was cool because I liked hearing all the different parts of the franchise and stuff. But there's a lot of confusion. But every time I watch this episode, I like it more and more. But the only thing I feel about this is I don't want to see the world between worlds again. Right. Well, that's where I was actually headed in that direction, because now the world between worlds is becoming problematic uh, so many because people now there's, like, there's so many fans who, are like, oh, well, then Ray can just go save Ben through the world between worlds. Right, right. There's a lot of people who are saying they're going to use the world between worlds to make the new sequel trilogy basically, you know, a, a Legends story or just another story from an alternate world from the world between worlds and stuff. And then when Lucasfilm put the squash on that idea... Now they've got a now they've got a new thing where there's there's supposedly this which I hundred percent do not believe this that there's a Lucas cut of of uh, Tross in which Palpatine was using basically mirrors from the world between worlds to manipulate 
to, you know, stuff. So it, it like that now there now there's people thinking there's some Lucas cut of Tross with the world between worlds in it, and it's it, because it's such a tempting conceit. You know, I think that's why they blew up the temple at the end. Yeah. Although although for for real, I don't think you can blow up that temple. It's exists outside of time. So like there was still sort of that imprint on the ground when Ezra went there. So it's just like the temple's not there right now. It might be somewhere else, you know. I I have that as an Odak three. Yeah, you know. So, but yeah, it's too tempting of a fan thing to like fix or change anything you want, you know. So yeah. It, it it sits there as a temptation, so it should be used very, 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 very sparingly. Probably only once, like in this <laughs> this storyline. That's what I like about this. They open the door, show the thing, and then they completely cut it off, and it's yep. closed, and it can't be accessed. Yep. And I like I like reading World Between Worlds fanfics. I like fan art of World Between Worlds, but I don't want to ever see it in canon because. I think it could very easily become like the Weeping Angels in Doctor Who. Because Where it just gets Weeping, overused. Yeah, because the Weeping Angels were in their first appearance in Blink. They're so scary and they're so, like, there's definitely a mysticism about them. We don't understand them. They're creepy. They're scary. And then they just kept using them because they were like, oh, fans like this episode. Let's use them five times. And now there's baby angels. And you lose the mystical and the scary right. side of it. Right. And if if they if they end up using constantly start using the world between worlds as like oh we can use this as a fix all in fandom or yeah, a real nothing, fix all in story ever, it takes it takes away like what makes it so great. Yeah, nothing will ever be never nothing will ever really be fixed if you keep using it. You know. Yeah. Now, it almost that becomes means, that that would almost become the focus of the story, you know, necessarily if you're going to use it all the time, and it would be, it would, yeah, it would ruin everything. Yeah. The, now, my my only like you know exemption from this is if it's used like the Mortis Gods last episode. We're not fans of the Mortis arc, but I like how they use the Mortis Gods as lore and as images and stuff. Like, so if if there's like a future story where I don't know, like. Ray is reading about the world between worlds, but never gets there. Like that's fine because then it's part of the lore, and we even know that it's in the Jedi texts. Master Hayden, Minister Hayden says that it's in the Jedi texts, and that's where he found it and stuff. So like, I wouldn't mind if it's used like as a lore, as a story, but I don't ever want to really go back there in any canon. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, my next note is. I like Minister Hyden. I think he's a really interesting character. I wish we had Yeah. Him. McDowell really like adds a lot to him too. McDowell's a really good actor and, and he's a good heel. He plays like like he gets a lot of roles as just sort of a standard villain a lot of times, but he's he's a great I mean he's like he's a great actor. Like if anybody's ever seen Clockwork Orange, he's gives a hundred ten hundred and ten percent. And uh and yeah, he's just really, I mean, he's not chewing the scenery or anything, but he like. He's menacing, but kind. <laughs> yeah, no, he's. But, he, he's, but he's kind he, in that creepy villain way of just like, I'm being kind to you until I get what I want. And then I'm going to. Well, he's kind because he's not 
like the same kind of ghoul as the usual ghouls. He's kind of a, you know, he's kind of a mystical um, archaeologist, like, archaeologist ghoul, you know? Yeah, he's a scholar. Like, he's like an art teacher working for the Empire. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he's like, he's definitely one of the, like, Sith scholars and stuff, but He's he's probably he's probably a weekend warrior. He's probably not much into like doing anything physically. He's probably just into the psychological aspects of his evil. <laughs> and, I love, and I love how it slowly breaks down because at first, like, he, when I say kind, I mean kind in a villain kind of way, a kind where he's just like being pleasant to Sabine and offering her tea. And when she doesn't take it, he brings in his soldiers and they hit her in the face. And he's like, let's try again now. You ready? Do you want to get hit in the face more? Or do you want to talk about art? <laughs> um, and actually, I have a note in Act 3 about him, but there's no reason why I can't say it now because it doesn't have anything to do with Act 3. Um, we learned last week, in last week's notes, that Haydn was originally developed for Season 3, and he got pushed back into Season 4. And now that I've seen these two episodes with him, I would have really liked him starting in Season 3. You know, um, because one of my gripes of season three was there was a lack of force villains because we didn't have Inquisitors anymore. We didn't have Darth Vader. And Maul, for me personally, was a huge letdown of season three. So it I been find really him more. He's more interesting than the Inquisitors to me. Like he's he like the Inquisitors sort of have like our sort of one note. He seems like he could be a lot of different. You know, there's a there's a lot more to him. I, w I would have liked him to be a continuing heavy. It would have been great. He's also more interesting than most of Maul's storyline. Too. <laughs> like, Maul's actually quite boring in Rebels. He's Well, repetitive. by the time we get to Maul in Rebels, he's just sort of on his end run. You know, there's not a lot. It's, yeah, I think it's almost necessarily not as interesting. He's just sort of like... And we talked about it. Most storylines are very repetitive. It's just like, hey, Ezra, I'm going to fuck with you. And Ezra's like, okay, I guess I have to go stop Maul. And then he stops Maul. And Maul's like, okay, bye. So like two episodes. <laughs> and then it yeah, repeats. Like, that is Maul's storyline. He doesn't do anything. No, he's more of a tragic character than anything. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I love Maul. I love Maul as a character. But he doesn't have a plot in Rebels other than to show up, fuck with Ezra until he meets everyone like that small story and Haydn is so much more interesting so I would have loved for him to be here since season three because there was no force characters and he's not a force yeah. wielder but he's force knowledgeable yeah no I think Maul was just basically wanting to find Obi-Wan so he could go die <laughs> yeah I think he, they could I have think done he knew that was that that was where his destiny was. So basically, like, they played up a little bit of the drama of he was trying to turn Ezra. But I think he was just sort of doing that as something to keep his mind occupied while he was doing it. But he, I don't think he really had his heart into it to, you know. But I yeah. think he was just sort of toying with that. So it never came into anything to where you felt like he seriously, like, was going to turn Ezra or anything like that. So, yeah. Oh, I would Have Maul show up and of the apprentice and then then have him show up again in twin sons and while Maul, after Ezra takes Maul's ship to go back to the rebels he finds the dark saber on the ship and he's like hey Sabine what's this 
That's how Sabine gets the Darksaber, because it's on Maul's ship. There! You don't need the other five fucking episodes of Maul. <laughs> no. There, I mean, there's some great moments, like Maul and Ezra and Dathomir is a really great episode, but it doesn't do anything in the bigger scheme of things, you know? So, anyway. Whoa, that was some nice lightning. What's up, lightning? Why is it lightning? There's no clouds outside. Anyway. Heat lightning. <laughs> Actually... <laughs> Heat lightning's not a real thing. It's just heat lightning very, very, very far away that you're seeing. Grease lightning. Grease lightning, go. Grease lightning, go. Grease lightning. To, one so, of the first songs I ever learned in in my band was Grease Lightning. <laughs> um, my last note for Act One in big letters, I just wrote Ahsoka. <laughs> and then my follow up notes was I remember. The first time I saw this episode, I remember where I was. I was on my couch. And I remember that when I saw the image come up of Twilight, I just was like, oh, my God. And then when Ezra pulled her out, I physically stood up out of my chair. Like, I just stood up and just stared at the TV. And then I went to a commercial break. And I just sat down and I just started crying during the commercial break. Because I could not believe that my baby girl, Ahsoka Tano, my favorite character in the entire franchise, was back. And I will, I, I will always just under, like, feel that feeling every time I watch this episode of when I physically stood up <laughs> and just stared. It just, uh, that moment just means so much to me that her story got to live on. And I love that we got to see the end of the fight from Twilight of the Apprentice. We got to see Vader fall through. I also, God, every time I hear Ahsoka's theme, it just makes me emotional. But they used the exact same variation of her theme that they used in Twilight of the Apprentice. So that kind of like horny, like, that they use for her theme. That's the theme that they used when she was starting her fight with Vader, and this was the end of the fight, and they brought back that a variation of that same music from that episode. So, like, uh, it's also good, Chris. I cry again. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you have anything else for Act 1? Not really. All right, so I'm going to sip my drink. Did you have anything about Ahsoka coming back in that moment or anything? <laughs> Ah, uh, not really. I don't think I was as surprised. I I thought that they were that they like were not going to be willing to give Ahsoka up as a character in the future, and yeah. would have been foolish to. Yeah. So, Act Two. Act Two. Meanwhile, while Ezra is fucking with time and space, Sabine is still trapped with a creepy old man. And Hayden is like, yay, I'm so excited to talk about artwork with someone else who loves art. Most people think I'm weird, other than Thrawn, but he talks way too much about art for my liking, which is saying something because I'm like an art dude. And Sabine is like, oh my god, can you either let me go or just shoot me? This is torture. But Hayden calls her out on her bullshit seeing that he's being really nice, but he could also be really mean if he needs to. So Sabine points out that she's noticed that the painting moved, and Hayden volunteers her to come and help him, reinforcing his position with death troopers in the room. 
They smack Sabine in the face with a rifle, leaving her no choice but to help them. And outside, Hera, Zev, and Chopper are still forming a plan about how to save the space kids. Back in the Force Realm, Ahsoka slowly gets up, and she's really confused about a lot of things. Because where's Vader? He was just there. Why is her bird friend here? Why is Ezra, like, three feet taller and have sudden peach fuzz on his face? It's a lot to take in. And Ezra's like, oh, thank God, an adult. There's an adult here. I'm panicking right now. Thank you for being here, adult. And Ahsoka sees Morai and introduces her by saying, so this one time in Clone Wars, we went to this weird dimension called the Mortis Dimension, and I, like, died, and the daughter gave up her life to resurrect me, and I guess she's an owl now. It's a whole thing, Ezra. Also, during all the... All <laughs> Also, during Morai's introduction, you can hear the audio of the daughter from the Clone Wars saying, I am daughter, so it's confirmation that the bird is the daughter. Ahsoka asks where Kanan is, and Ezra's eyes well up with tears, and he sniffles, and he starts to cry, and Ahsoka's like, whoa, I've missed so much. She, she calms him down, and they start looking around. Ahsoka realizes that the world between worlds is ancient. And she also realizes that Doom, the Loth Wolf, is probably Kanan's will working through the Loth Wolves in the Cosmic Force. And Ezra's like, wait a second. I'm having a borderline Anakin Skywalker unhealthy idea. If I can save you, then I can save Kanan. I'm not supposed to stop the Empire. I'm supposed to save my master. And Ahsoka's like, that's a terrible plan, Ezra, and tries to stop him. But Ezra sprints off down the path. Ahsoka begs Ezra to slow down and actually think about what he's doing. But Ezra is almost manic as he's following Kanan's voice until he stops in front of one particular door. The portal activates, and there's Kanan on the other side. Ahsoka tells Ezra if he pulls Kanan out of there... The rest of the ghost crew would die except for Zeb, who was smartly back in the base. <laughs> There's no way to honor Kanan in that moment if he's pulled out. And Ezra's like, you don't understand me, lesbian aunt. And Ahsoka's like, yeah, I do. Ten minutes ago, I found out my own master is actually a murderous Sith Lord that's beyond my reach to save. So, yeah, I kind of really understand what you're going through right now, kid. Ezra takes a deep breath, looks away, and gives up the chance to save Kanan's life. He realizes that letting go is the last lesson that Kanan was wanting to teach him. So, you know, Ezra can then go on to save Lothal in two episodes and junk. But they hear a crackle of thunder. And Ahsoka says that Ezra needs to close the door to the world. But before they leave, they hear this amazing, evil cackle. And there's Palpatine in the portal, ready to fuck up their day and take over all of time and space. Ezra Bridger and Ahsoka Tano, mine at last. <laughs> Pappy's home. <laughs> what you think of it? Oh, Papa Palpatine is so good. What you think of it too? Well, of course I have in all caps, Palps. But Pap. he just shows up at the end of this one, so uh, I only have That's one note. So gross too, man. He's so like extra gross in this. I love it. 
And and he's just like a wicked witch in front of his little cauldron. It's so oh, awesome. I his think one of my actual notes in Act Three is like it's always great when Palpatine does dark magic. <laughs> yeah, but I I only had one note in here, and it's about the whole Kanan thing. One, Ezra could have probably saved Kanan. I mean, he could have pulled him out at the la- I mean, there was a last second when the ship was going away that he probably could have, like, used the force himself to help hold the explosion back and pull Kane in. But what- whatever, whatever. It could have been done. What I would have done for that scene is when Ezra went to go help Kanan, I would have had Doom the Wolf block him from... block him. <laughs> like just be standing in front of the portal and like, nope, <laughs> sorry. But then that would have like ruined like Ezra learning the lesson because his whole lesson is about letting go. Like he has to actively choose to let go, not have everyone in the world block him, forcing him to let go. You could have, you could have communicated that with the wolf. You could have had, you know, him try to get by the wolf and the wolf just block him. And then like, Maybe even have a moment of realizing that the wolf is Kanan, you know, and and him go, oh, okay, <laughs> or can something. I, I, I think it would have just been like way more dramatic. It would have been really dramatic, and plus it would have worked along well with the um with the convery showing up at the other portal. I I'm gonna explain why I don't think Ezra could have ever saved Kanan. You ready? Okay. Those are all my notes, so I'm ready. So, I've, I've watched, I have watched Star Wars Explains many, many, many videos about the world between worlds. And in one of them, in the portal that Ezra sees Kanan, above that portal, that circle with the kind of wings off to the side, that is flat out Sith iconology. That is a Sith icon. It's a Sith image. And after Ezra turns away from the temptation, it's Palpatine that appears in the very same gate, implying that Ezra never had the chance to save Kanan because if he would have reached through the gate to try and save Kanan, he would have been grabbed by Palpatine. It might have been just a trap. Yeah, it was always a trap. That's how I take it. Um, Now, this said, it's never been confirmed by anyone from Lucasfilm, but it's the same gate. Kanan and Palpatine are in the exact same gate, and above it is a Sith logo. So I don't think he ever had the chance to save Kanan. I think it was always a trap by Palpatine because if he would have reached through that like he reached through with Ahsoka, Palpatine would have grabbed him and got pulled through. That makes sense. But I also agree it could be clearer. Like maybe like the image of Kanan dissolves away into Palpatine. So we actually, as the viewer, see that and not have to do all the extra hurdles to put those two things together. Yeah. Yeah. Or they could they could have had um, they could have had Ezra reach in, then Palpatine's hand grab him. And then the convery jump down and like claw Palpatine's hand and. Which makes it go, ah, because I would have loved to have seen him go, ah. <laughs> yeah, he does not do enough. No. But it's okay. it, like, he does enough in this episode. <laughs> it does, he does. But yeah, I mean, it, it. If I, if that, I would have missed that if I hadn't have like watched like a Star Wars expert break down the iconology of uh-huh. all the different symbols. 
So I agree. Like it could be clearer that because I that's now now how I see this that it was always a trap. Before I was like, money could have saved him. <laughs> but like now I like knowing that like when I watch this, I'm like, yeah, it's a trap. It's always been a trap. This is what the Lockwells were trying to tell Ezra, like, hey, it's a trap, go stop him, but don't fall for the trap. <laughs> we're wolves. Um I I don't know why I wrote this note. I just started kind of like spitballing about if Kanan, if Ezra had saved Kanan. And I wrote, if Ezra had pulled Kanan out, then Ezra, Sabine, Hera, and future Jason would have died. Meaning that the current Ezra would suddenly be erased from existence, which doesn't, which means he couldn't have pulled out Ahsoka five minutes earlier. And it was Ezra's connection to the Purgle that removes Thrawn from play in the finale. Kanan would then have been saved, but so much more would have been lost, including the liberation of Lothal, and also Palpatine's would have gotten inside the world between worlds. I don't know why I just spitballed. Like, this is what would have probably happened. Paradox. Paradox! Um... So going to more of my show notes, there's a really just cool shot in Hayden's office when after Hayden's done being nice to Sabine and the death troopers just walk through the painting holograms. It's it's just cool because it kind of looks like water passing over them like when they step through. It's just a cool little shot. I like that shot. Um, I can't encourage people enough to use subtitles on this episode because there's so many voices that I missed. Like I missed the I am daughter when when Ahsoka introduces the convoy to, to uh, Ezra, very quietly you hear the daughter's voice go, I am daughter. And I've never, in like the multiple times I've seen, I've watched this, have never caught that if not for the subtitles. Cause I was like, why are subtitles popping up? And I had to crank up my sound really loud with my headphones in just to hear it. So subtitles for this episode are a must. Um, I really love that it's Ahsoka in the scene, though, with Ezra. Because for her personally, 10 minutes earlier, she was confronting Vader. That she would never believe that Anakin could fall to the dark side. And we see this in Clone Wars, which is why everything goes to shit. Because Maul's like, hey, Ahsoka, your master's falling to the dark side. And she's like, no, I believe in love and friendship. And Maul's like, oh, well, you fucked us all now. Thanks. Um... And she just, like, ten minutes prior to this, realized that Anakin is Vader. And she saw his face and saw him under there. So he flat out said that he would murder her and everything. So there's so much of, like that's been happening in the, to her in the last ten minutes. And now she's suddenly here with Ezra. So I like her in this scene because Ezra's like, you don't know what you're asking me to. And she's like, yeah, I did. I do. I'm actively living this in my life right now. And I, yeah. I like that it's Ahsoka in the scene because she's going through the exact same motions that Ezra's going through. The only difference is Vader's still alive, but he might as well be, Anakin might as well be dead to her. You're dead to me. Yeah. But I, I also like that Ahsoka, because we, we always talk about this when we talk about like Ahsoka in Clone Wars and Ahsoka in Rebels and, and Kanan too. Like, she is an example of the best of the best of the Jedi. And Ahsoka does something, the one thing that Anakin can never do, and it's let go. Like, she knows how to let go. And she's able to let go, which is why she's able to teach this to Ezra now. Hey, she and had to let go of the Jedi Order at one time, so she had some practice. Yeah, yeah. So I, I like that. 
Um, and then I had a realization for the finale. Because in the finale of Rebels, Palpatine tempts Ezra with his parents and an image and a chance to return to his parents. And right here, like right after he lets Kanan go, Ezra looks at Ahsoka and goes, I wish things could go back to the way they were before. I wish I could see my parents again. And he says it right in front of the portal that Palpatine is coming out of that he wants to see his mom and dad. So probably Palpatine heard that, which is why he tempts Ezra with his parents in the finale. And I was like, oh, I never noticed that before. Holy shit. Pops on the other side going like, ooh, this is good stuff. Good <laughs> stuff. Dear Diary, find a way. Figure out what Ezra Bridger's parents looks like. Ezra Bridger has Batman issues. <laughs> Must use this in the finale of the show. Thrawn, find a thing to make parents appear and Thrawn's like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> clone me up a few bridges I shows up with two identical Ezra okay I need to be more specific not the bridges I was thinking about <laughs> but yeah they're I never like, noticed they're all like they look like Ezra but they're all messed up like Snoke and they're just like and I'm like Oh, one one is a Ezra in a dress, and the other one's an Ezra with a mustache taped to his face. Yeah, and like a little business suit on. <laughs> yeah, this, here's your parents. Don't they look like you? And Ezra's like, what? no. <laughs> I present your parents, Mr. and Mrs. Ezra parents. <laughs> and Ezra's like, that's not my parents, but yeah, I look good in a dress. Yeah, I can rock a dress. <laughs> Feeling feelings I've never felt before. Yeah, I, I can do that. Yeah, yeah. Mustache, yeah, maybe a beard. Mustache, not so. I need the beard with a mustache. It looks kind of like a porn stash. And Palpatine's like, be tempted to the dark side. He's like, no, hold on. I'm still analyzing this. I'll get back to you. Meanwhile, Thrawn's in the background going, can I go back to work now? <laughs> can yeah, I? Mu mu mustaches are a rare thing in the Star Wars universe. There's like maybe full beard and mustache, yes, but like. There's only, there's only a few sprinkled mustaches sprinkled throughout Star Wars for some reason. Yularen can rock the mustache. Yularen has a grade A mustache. So good. Yep. Anyway. Yeah. There were a couple rebels around like the Yavin base that had some, some mustaches and Biggs had a mustache before he got cut out of the movie. <laughs> Yeah, he's in it, and he's in it in the final battle. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that's all I had for Act Two. That. Did you have anything else? No, I'm ready for I'm ready for my jam. All Part right. Three's my jam. Really? Okay. Oh I'm excited to hear. yes. I'm excited to hear why it's your jam. So. Oh, it's <laughs> not for any deep reasons, but yeah, it's my jam. It's a beautiful. It's the most beautiful of the three acts. For in multiple scenes, the most beautiful of the yeah. three acts. So, Act Three. <clears throat> Back in the normal world, Sabine and Haydn are trying to work out the Mortis God's painting and what it all means. They figure out that if the daughter opens the portal, then the image of the sun will close it. And Haydn is like, "See, we can be art buddies after all." A stormtrooper rushes in saying that something's happening with a portal right about the same time someone starts thumping on the side of the building. And during all this, Hera and Zeb have been sabotaging the building because apparently these buildings are portable. 
and they have rockets stuck to the bottom of them? Sabine sneers at Haydn as half of the building starts lifting off the ground with all of them inside it. Acting out the movie Inception, Sabine parkours and slides down the hallways until she rolls out of the bottom just as Hare and Zeb show up, and they grab her and run for the temple painting. During all of this, Asuka and Ezra are facing down Papa Palps and his dark side cauldron, spewing dark side blue fire magic. He blasts them with force fire, and it takes everything in Ahsoka's abilities just to keep them alive. But neither of them can hold off a full-fledged Sith Lord, and she tells Ezra to run. Palpatine sends out another blast of fire as his hand starts pressing through the portal. The fire snags Ezra's foot and starts pulling him back. Ahsoka whips out her lightsabers and cuts the fire rope to free him. And Palpatine's like, Damn it! I should have killed you in the Clone Wars, Ahsoka Tano! And the good guys are running again, and they have to split up to go back to their respectful times. Ahsoka promises that she will find Ezra in the future, and they split up. Ahsoka and Morai leaf through the Malachor portal, portal door. Malachor portal door? Hard to say. Um, and they're back at the end of Twilight of the Apprentice in Season 2. And off in the distance, there's the door that she sends down in the Season 2 finale. Meanwhile, Ezra is sprinting and going, Fuck, 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 run, 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 fuck, 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 run, 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 fuck, fuck, fuck. And he makes it through the Lothal portal and leaps out of there before Palpatine can catch him. Just as the rest of the space family happens to be arriving to meet up with him. Ezra says that they need to close the portal, so they head over to the Mortis painting. But they're pinned down under so much stormtrooper gunfire. Ah! Until Chopper arrives with a stolen drill thing and starts chasing stormtroopers with a drill thing because Chopper is the best murder bot. Zeb hoists Ezra up to his shoulder and Ezra focuses on the image of the sun. It starts to glow red and the image begins to move again. As the portal opening... Uh... What did I write here? Oh... <laughs> Sorry, I was like, what did I write? It starts to glow, glow red, and the image begins to move again, as both the portal opening and the temple starts to destroy itself. Ezra faints, and Zeb catches him and goes, God, I wish this was my boyfriend, Callus. And our heroes run for Chopper, and they all climb up into the drill, and Chopper drives them away to, from the scene. As the image of the son and daughter sink away, and the loft wolf pitchers run back, the image of the father claps its hands together and the entire area with Haydn and the Empire sink away as the temple is destroyed. And as the as all fades into a bright white light, we hear Kanan say, the force will be with you always. Ezra wakes up a bit later. Zeb, Sabine, and Chopper are there and, he tells, and they tell Ezra to go outside and see Hera. And she's looking out over a flat plain and there's nothing there. It's where the Jedi Temple had been, but now it's just flat lands. Hera is holding her shoulder in the same place where Ghost Kanan touched her last episode, and I cry. And she asks if this means that Kanan is really gone, and Ezra says it is. But at least now, he knows what they have to do. Kanan showed him the way. Hera leaves, and Ezra sees a white loth wolf in the distance, and he says his final goodbye to Kanan, and the episode fades out. The end. What you think of F3? 
Oh, this is my favorite part. Only for the simple reason that this is where this is one of my favorite images in all of Star Wars, and and all of Star Wars is Palpy sitting there in front of his little blue pool, just going rah, <laughs> and he's just sort of waggling his hands and doing his thing, and it's just great in the heat of the moment of that episode when you know when all of a sudden palpy's there and he's just like like really using his powers that's some awesome shit so yeah yeah i like that they showed that ahsoka could only hold him off one time and she probably couldn't have hold him held him off again he's just too powerful so she was like oh we gotta get the fuck out of here man Ron. well i think yeah i i got the impression that his power was limited there that yeah. he could all, like he had probably worked really hard to get that trick pulled off and he had one crack at it, you know, yeah. and he was there and, and he was there to go at it full bore. But like it wasn't like like if Ezra had gone through the portal and was in there with Palpatine, he'd be toast. Mm -hmm. But they have a chance in there with with him and Ahsoka. Because that's what so, I'm saying, like, it was a lot of work for Ahsoka just to hold yeah. off, like, a yeah. half-powered Palpatine. <laughs> they would have been fucked if he was there, both if of them. If he had actually gotten in, yeah. Actually, if he had gotten in, he probably wouldn't even have messed with him. He would have probably just known what portal he was, he would probably would have been like, yee-hee-hee, and jumped through a portal, and then everything would have changed. <laughs> where's where's the Luke Skywalker portal? Walks through it, throws Luke into a lake. Okay, bye. Exactly. <laughs> Problem Everything solved. Yep, yep. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, I like the I like the uh, art art critique scene with with uh, Sabine. I like that she's just sort of she's fighting really to like talk to him about the art because she doesn't want to give him any info, but she really wants to talk about it. I know. Like, it was I, just I, nicely. I said... It was very subtly done. And just nicely done. You could see the moment where she was like, oh, my God, I came to a conclusion. Wait, I'm with the Empire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and like, there's a lot of things that they do in this, like, that are very broad and obvious with the acting and stuff because it's more kid-like. But every once in a while, they'll do things that are, ni like, nice and subtle that you pick up on. And uh, that was one of them. Um, That's true, because she love... doesn't ever get to talk about art with anybody. She was, she's like... On a right, normal day, right. I would totally love to like hang out with you in a museum, but you're also an evil bastard that hit yeah, me in the no, face. Yeah, no, they had some, but they did have something in common. Yeah, it was it yeah. was a nice subtle scene. Um, <laughs> I love that Chopper's new murder murder method is literally chopping. <laughs> he he had that yeah. like drill thing to chop people up with, and I'm like, now he's. I actually a forgot chopper. chopper was here. <laughs> Until we showed up with the drill, and I was like, "Oh, hey, Chopper!" That's awesome. right. We, we still got some. Someone wants to murder. Mm -hmm. And uh, my only other note is uh, when they're closing the portal. There's, it's not Ray's theme, but it's very evocative of Ray's theme. Just a very like sort of plucked melody. It was, it was interesting. Yeah, I I noted that too. I'm very bad at picking out themes and songs but There's it very wasn't few, it I was know. just like evocative of ray's theme but it was definitely i think supposed to remind you of ray's theme and i was like that's a little odd but it's kind of cool 
I, I, yeah, I noted that I really liked the music and the scene where the temple is being destroyed and sinking down. It's a very different, it, it still has, like, the grandeur of, like, something big is happening, oh my god, but it still has a very, it has energy to it, but I wouldn't even call it, like, a bright, positive, like, major key. It just, it's a, it has a lot of energy in that song, but while, while still at the same time being, like, holy shit, big things are happening. Like, I, I, cause I noted that too. I love the music in that scene, but I couldn't put my finger on exactly what I liked about it because it's just different. It's a very different kind of music than we normally hear in Rebels. Yes. So. But that's all I got for part one. Um, As I said, it's always fun watching Papa Palps do dark magic in his cauldron. Um, I like the scene where when the building is tipping because of the rockets, Sabine almost has like an inception moment where she's just like jumping on walls and like diving down into doors and then she lands on the stormtrooper and rides him out. So like it's a really cool scene. It's very fast, but I was just like, dang, this is fun. Um, I love that Sabine and Ezra trust each other so much. Because when he's in the portal with Ahsoka, um, he's, like, she's like, you need to figure out how to close this temple. And he's like, no, Sabine's going to figure it out. I trust her. And then when Hera and Zeb run up, they're like, where's Ezra? She goes, he's on his way to meet us. And they mm-hmm. don't even know where each other are at that moment, but they have enough trust that the other one is getting their job done to meet up again. And so I, I liked that, like those two separate moments, because it really shows how much trust Sabine and Ezra have built up with each other. And it's a really nice kind of character moment for the two of them. Ahsoka promises to find Ezra again, which is exactly what she does in the finale when she meets up with Sabine so they can keep her side of the promise and go find Ezra. I just thought that was nice. I, I was like, about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it kind of was almost like a Howl's Moving Castle moment. Um, how and I'm talking about the Miyazaki film, not the novel. Um, in the Miyazaki film, the whole point is uh, Sophie kind of does a little time tri- like tripping, and she sees past Hal, and she screams at him, "Find me in the future," which is his very first line for, to her in the movie is, "There you are, sweetie, I found you," because he remembered those memories as mm-hmm. a child, finding her later, and it has kind of like that. We've already been touching a lot on Miyazaki films this season with Princess Mononoke, but that moment in particular felt very House Moving Castle to me when he was like, find me in the future. <laughs> um, it's a very subtle moment, and I don't think I normally would have noticed it, but I love Zeb, and I never noticed it before. So after Ezra jumps out of the portal, you know, he just sprinted for his life, and he's kind of tired, and as they're running away from the stormtroopers, Zeb has his arm around Ezra and is pulling him along and helping him run. And then it's Ezra, or not Ezra, it's Zeb that carries Ezra out of the area and get him to safety. And I just continue to love these very subtle Zeb things because Zeb doesn't have an episode in season four uh, that's solely focused on him. But they continue to give him so many nice little things of like why he's there. He's the one that hoists Ezra up to the painting he takes care of Ezra gets out of there because Zeb makes sure that he gets out of there. And I like Sabine and, and Hera couldn't carry him. And it's just really nice little Zeb moments that I like. Um, okay. So the final scene after the temple is gone and everything, 
it's just really beautiful. There's the lighting is gorgeous. It's so desolate that there's nothing there where the temple used to be. It's so white, almost like Ezra and 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 Hera are staring at the doorway to the afterlife, and they're accepting like Canaan's gone, and they walk away from the light, and then there's the Lothwolves, and the music is gorgeous. It's just and that and, scene is so and when good. they get really dramatic in Rebels, they like to do fades to white too. So it was sort of yeah. evocative of that. Yeah, absolutely. I love that in scene. Um, and my only other note is kind of a personal headcanon I have. So we know that the temple is gone, but there's that symbol on the ground of where Ezra and Kanan stood for the first time way back in season one to open the temple for the first time. I have a personal headcanon that future adult Ezra will return and he will raise the Lothal Jedi Temple again. Um, and I could see I, Ezra sort of hanging out on Lothal and being like the caretaker of the temple. Yeah. I would almost like, because there's all these rumors of a rebel sequel, right? And I, I, if, if I had, if I was right, if I was writing the rebel sequel, I would like the final image being like adult Ezra, the final image raising the Jedi temple and going into it. And that is the final image of whatever the rebel sequel is. And I think that would just be really cool. But I think the next time we see this Lothal temple again, it's going to be from adult Ezra if we ever see it again. But that's just like a little personal headcanon that I have. So, but that's all I have for the world between worlds. Do you have any gripes about this episode? Not I really. Don't. Not I don't really. either. Like, like I don't, I don't. I could have you. I, 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 I mean, if I wanted to be like, okay, I want some more palpy, but whatever, you know. I, I He's mean, actually just right in this episode, but you know I'll always take more. I'm sucker for my palpy, but not not really yeah. any complaints. I like when I sat down to watch this. I was just sitting down like I normally do to watch an episode, and then I was like, "Oh wait, oh wait, <laughs> it's this one." Yeah. And uh, yeah. My my only real drive, and episode. it's the minorest of minor things. Is it would be nice if it was a little bit more clear that. Ezra could have never saved Kanan that it was a trap the whole time. Yeah. They, I mean, things, things get extra points for me, I think, when I love when stuff comes, stuff from the Filoni-verse comes back, you know, stuff from yeah. Clone Wars and stuff like that comes back. I, I, I love that. I love that they're, they're, they're working their own canon and world into all of it. And, yeah. Something I did, would kind of like to see is now that more content has come out, if they ever, and th I'm talking future, like like down the line, if they ever like remastered this episode, I think it would be cool if they added like a couple bits of dialogue from like Solo and Resistance and Tross in the background. Maybe add Luke Skywalker in there from Last Jedi or something, like having Luke talking about the Jedi Order from Last Jedi, just because those were all made after this episode. So, like, in, like, you know, 10 years, if they ever remastered this, and we know that they like to add yeah, stuff. Yeah, it would make like, sense. Yeah, I think that would be a cool thing, because I was trying to think of, like, what cool lines could they add in from other stuff, and I could see Kaz's line of, like, we're the Resistance now, and or having, like, Luke talking to Rey about the Jedi Order, 
like in the background. I, I think that would be a cool thing, like 10 years down the line if they ever remastered it. But I mean, this episode is great. It's yeah. so good. So uh, score it up, Chris. Highest scoring for this season, I gave it a 9.5. Do you have a 10 for Rebels yet? I think I had a 10 a couple seasons ago in there somewhere. I think I did. I think uh-huh. it, I can't remember what it was. It kind of freaked you out, I, I seem to remember. <laughs> Please look that up because I'm trying to remember. I, I, I think you're right. I remember you do having 10. I was like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> I'd have to flip through a few notebooks to find it, but I think it, I think it did happen. So why is it a 9.5? Cause it's great. <sighs> Can't argue it's, with that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you get, I, I mean, I mean, like, I guess maybe you're, you're hinting as why isn't it a 10, but I, it's it's not quite a 10 for me, but 9.5 is pretty uh, damn good. Yeah. No, we usually just, like, explain our reasoning, so. Like this. This is probably, t- to me personally, the best made episode of Rebels. Um, alongside Twilight of the Apprentice, which is my personal favorite episode of Rebels. Um, this is a, almost like a true continuation of Twilight. It's amazing to have Ahsoka back. It's something that I was not expecting, and it's still a very important moment for me personally as a fan. Uh, the World Between Worlds is just such a special episode for so many different reasons. Sabine is great. I love Hayden. Palpatine is fantastic. I don't have any complaints. I gave this one a 10 out of 10. Like, this is up there with my personal favorite episode, Twilight of the Apprentice. Like, I, I was actually going into this episode going... Well, there's there's so much hype of it because I've watched the clips of Ezra and Ahsoka over and over again, but I hadn't watched the Sabine parts since the first time it aired. And so I was going in this going like, okay, maybe I'm just hyping myself up and all the stuff. But I was rewatching it. And I was like, nope, this is awesome. <laughs> it's, it's really good. Yeah. Uh, maybe I didn't give it a maybe I could say I didn't give it a 10 just because it was it wasn't a self, completely self-contained episode. I don't know. Yeah. Trying to think of something. I mean, it's, I think it also does a good job of connecting the entire saga together. There is something from every point of, to to continue to trash on Tross, this is what I kind of wanted to see, something from Tross, something that connects the entire saga together. And there's nothing of the fucking prequels. Not not in just a way of just like name dropping everything together, but in a real way. Yeah. Yeah. This this does that. Yes. Yeah. Like the only thing from the prequels is in the scene where Ray is hearing the voices of the Jedi that came before her. That's it there. And it should have been the capstone of the entire saga, but it's not. This actively ties everything together, including stuff like rogue one, which we're still seeing ripple into stuff like, Clone Wars, when we hear I am the Force and the Force is with you, it's from Rogue One rippling through the fandom and uh, rippling through the saga. Like, it does such a good job showing that this is all connected and it does it in a shorter amount of time than what Tross does mm-hmm. <laughs> and better. So, anyway, as always, we'd love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. This week, our feedback comes from the Facebook for our episode, Flight of the, Flight of the Defender. 
And also, like, we had asked you guys in your in the episode, um, what were your opinions of the Lothwolves? And you guys gave us a lot of great answers back. So, uh, Chris, conversations are separated by lines. I see that. All right. The first one comes from Paul C. Kelly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ezra and Sabine did not seem too concerned about revealing themselves to Thrawn. After season three, I would think they might not want to feed creepy Thrawn pieces to the puzzle, but maybe that TIE Defender was that important. Oh, yeah. I I thought you would enjoy Paul calling him Creepy Thrawn. Creepy Thrawn. I thought you would like that. Creepy Thrawn just feels creepy saying it. I like it. Okay, so we got one from Diego Lemos. says, uh, I really like the concept of animals using weird force abilities. I'm not an EU purist, but I really like the strange characters like Jedi Master Ikrit, one of Yoda's Padawans, one of Yoda's many Padawans, who is essentially a cat, or or Thon, the Jedi beast, a four-legged dinosaur in charge of training Jedi, or Waru, the pan-dimensional Lovecraftian god that's in Star Wars. I think I know what you're referring to. I think he's referring to an Alan Moore story, Star Wars story that, that was done. But I can see being put off by the weirdness. Anyway, where are my star dragons, Disney? I'm sort of glad there aren't star dragons. As we yet. get star whales. Yeah. Um, I, lo- I, I think animals probably should be more in tune with the Force than... Than people, so I love that the animals being keyed into the force idea that that Dave Filoni seems to have really started. He probably, you know, he and George Lucas probably started, but I I always get the feeling it's a Dave Filoni thing. But I like it, yeah. and it, and it and it and it worked. They even worked it into the new sequel trilogy a little bit with those crystal foxes. Yeah. I absolutely like the idea, too, of animals being tied in and stuff, and I kind of also want to see a star dragon. <laughs> I don't know what a star dragon is, but I like it. Uh, I don't know. Every time I hear about the EU and I hear about all the stuff in the EU, I'm just like, there's so much. <laughs> uh, all I have to say is uh, I think it was close enough for me with the Zillow monster. So. Yeah. We, oh, yeah, we did get the Zillow beast. So. Yeah. All right, we've got one from Heather Taylor. Is this, a, is this our first letter from Heather Taylor? No, we've had Heather before. As she says, I love... I lo- oh, good, I get to do Hope's voice. Oh, you... Uh, Heather has commented... Um, Heather Taylor says, I love the Lothwolves and the idea of animals having force abilities. After all, the force resides in all living things. You just have to be open to it. But I agree with the feeling that something is off with them, and it did sort of make the last season strange. Maybe we will eventually get something like the myth legend about them. Yeah, maybe I could see them ending up uh, uh, in, uh, in uh, like, I could see the Mandalorian ending up on Lothal sometime. There's also a really great book. Oh, what's it called? Um, oh, I can't remember it off the top of my head. But it's it's a book where it's legends from within Star Wars. So it's like um, legends that you would sit down if you were a character in Star Wars and tell. So like it's not 100% canon, but it's more like the stories that the characters tell. I could definitely see a story in like one of those books because there's a story about how like 
there's this dark savior guy who comes and fucks stuff up. And it turns out it's a story about Vader, but this legend is that he's this kind of like ghost thing. And they're about to do another one for the dark side users. And one of the stories is going to be about the Grand Inquisitor, but it's done in a way that he's almost like a Nosferatu kind of creature. And because the people, the legends around him is he's this like dark and mysterious guy. And he's like right. this dude. So I, I would love to see like an in-canon thing of like people Lothal sitting around a campfire telling the legend of the Loth Wolves in that kind of format. I think that'd be really cool. What is the name of that book? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to Google this while you keep reading. All right. Well, so Hope's replied. Thank you. They're just a bit too mystical for me. I like them, but they're a bit off. And then Heather Taylor says, too mystical without any preface or explanation. Even the Pergil got a bit of an explanation and hopes it. I made that argument when we recorded for Rebel Assault on Monday. The Lothwells needed, like, one little piece of concrete info to ground them enough to make them work. But they're so mystical. And the only explanation being the Force. And it makes it not work. Damn, Hope. Hey. So mean. Star Wars Myth and Fables. That's na- the name of the book. Um, and and that's the whole point is it's supposed to be books told uh, from the point of view of characters and telling stuff. So that's second, it's, it's like secondhand stories. Yeah, of. absolutely. Um, so I, I've been wanting to read that book. It's been on my list forever to read. I just haven't gotten around to it. So Candy! Oh my gosh, we're in a brand new box, Chris! What are we doing? Oh, I don't know. What are we doing here? I don't know. There's so much. So many candies. Um, we've been doing... Uh, I have so many Kit Kats in here. Like, new Kit Kats. I didn't realize how many new Kit Kats were in here. Maybe this is where we thought we had different Kit Kats. Oh, I have a Broderick's with the Jesus Hippie guy. We've had one of those before. We liked it. Those, those were really good. Let me see. I... There What's it is. Thing? Yeah, let's eat the Broderick's. All my other candies, I need to put them in the freezer or something. <laughs> They're all soft and mushy. <laughs> I know, same here. Well, if you don't know what we're doing, Chris hates American Kit Kats because he's a weird person. So our oh, friend it's Darius... a crumbly like the last one. So, Darius and Candy from All Over the World Review. Where are the Brodericks from? Belgium. Uh, is it? I just see Cody or is from... Harmless shortbread. Hey, right, well, this may be from Belgium. I want to eat candy, so... Yay, candy! <laughs> All right, oh, I'm going to get mine open. Oh, oh it, is a, it looks like a shortbread. It's a crumbly, just like the last one by them. Oh my god, so good. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Oh, it's just like caramel, it's not chocolate. It's almost got a little bit of chocolate to it, but yeah, it's like very, very um fancy caramel. On a just sort of vanilla crumble. Mmm. That is some really... Oh, the chocolate is supposed to be on top according to the picture. 
Oh, those are always so good, Dario. I like these broader ones. So far, mm -hmm. they're two for two. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. They're um, candy, cookie, and pastry all mixed together, so they're... It's absolutely delicious, but... Well, that's all I have for this episode. Did you have anything else? No. Well, where can people find you, Chris? You can find me at 2TrueFreaks.com. That's our website. Got all our podcasts there. You can sign up for their RSS feeds. You can sign up for an RSS feed get all of our podcasts. Or you can go to iTunes and, and get them. Including this one. Um, you can also find me on Facebook. We've got the 2 True Freaks um, podcast Facebook page where we also list all our shows. And the 2 True Freaks Cantina. Which is sort of our hangout spot. And we are also on Twitter. Run by Gene Gene, the Infernal Machine. <laughs> I was thinking, ha 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 Chrissy made me laugh, Gene. <laughs> I wanted to do an evil one for like, ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-
Two true freaks. Dumbass. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Wait a minute. Uh, um, I got it in the tip of my tongue. Come on. Uh, oh, golly, I'm not even... Let me see. Oh, Alexander Dumbass! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Henry Dumbass!